I'm going to be sharing with you the last in this series. We've been looking at biblical honor. We've been looking at biblical honor. Have you enjoyed the series? Okay. I'm trusting that God is going to do something so powerful this morning, um, even as the revelation is activated in us. Um, this morning, I'm going to speak on a subject that has been greatly misunderstood in the body of Christ. There are different extremes in the body of Christ. And the subject is entitled, The Technology of Double Honor. Say to the person next to you, The Technology of Double Honor. You see, what happens is on the one extreme, we've got some people out there who have created a priestly ministry above the priestly ministry that Jesus has given us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So we've got Jesus who came in as our high priest. He's the only mediator between us and God. Amen? And he died for us. We all agree, right? And so what happens is that after that, he has created a priesthood of believers. So now I have direct access to the Father God. Amen. I don't have to go through anyone else. But some people who've gone extreme have created a priestly ministry between us and God. That's not Jesus Christ, but it's someone else. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. All right. And so that's not biblical. Then you've got the other extreme, and these people will say, well, I've got everything that I need in Christ. I don't need a prophet in my life. Prophet? What prophet? What for? Right? Apostles? What apostles? What for? Because I've got all I need in Christ. Therefore, church? No, we don't need that. So you've got that other extreme. Are you hearing me this morning? All right? And I want to show you from the Word of God what I believe is a balanced view when we're talking about double honor. Are you ready? In Mark chapter 6, verse 4, the Bible says something very powerful. Jesus here is speaking, and he says, A prophet is not without honor except in his own home. A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. A pastor is not without honor except in his own church. Are you hearing me? There's a particular pastor who God uses greatly when it comes to miracles and healings. And one of the things he said is that, you know what? It seems like the greater miracles that I've done have been further away from home. The greater miracles I've done have been further away from home. And we know that when Jesus went to his hometown, the Bible says because of their unbelief, he could not do many miracles there. So the miracles that we experience, the breakthroughs that we experience are not just because of someone's individual anointing and mantle, but they're because also of how that person is received by the beneficiaries. Do you know that there are times when we are praying for people during Ignite and we can lay hands on someone and someone receives an impartation just like that. And we can lay hands on someone else and you can feel this block. I'm not saying we always go by physical manifestation, but there are times when you can actually feel a block. And it's been very interesting because the people who seem to receive very easily, when we analyze the nature of our relationship with them, we see that they also receive the gift that is being used, the vessel that is being used. They honor that. 
You see, honor is a conduit for impartation. How I many of you know that there's certain, there's certain um, conduits where electricity flows easier than other conduits? Amen? And God is taking us to a place in our walk with him where we understand what those conduits in the spirit are so that we benefit. Are you hearing me this morning? So I want to share with you a key thought. Who you are under is important. The mantle that you place yourself under is very crucial. I'm laying this as a foundation before I give you some, some directives in terms of how to honor. Okay? I want to start off by laying a foundation concerning certain principles. And one of those principles is that who you are under is important. You know, people have got this thing about church where they go from church to church as if, as if it's the same as a fast food restaurant. You know, when you're on your way home, sometimes the kids will say, we want steers today. No, we want Nando's. And we've started to treat churches like that. Let me tell you something. When you choose a church to attend, when you choose a church to go to or a church to leave, you need to do it very prayerfully. Amen? Because you see, the mantle that you are under will determine the degree to which your gift will be activated and augmented or the degree to which it will be diminished. And these are spiritual things and it's important for us to be spiritually minded as we seek God concerning these things. Amen. We're a priesthood of believers with direct access to the Father, but God has given us ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He's given us ministry gifts that can augment our effectiveness in ministry. So I'm going to lay a foundation before I give you the practical tools. Because what tends to happen in a lot of churches, a lot of places, we hear the teaching on double honor, but there's no context. And if you don't have the context and the foundation, it'll be very difficult for you to understand this principle. A, there are levels in the kingdom. Say to the person next to you, there are levels. I know often in the past I've used that phrase and I'll be jokingly saying it and so on. But to be honest with you, there are levels in the kingdom. You see, we've got this thing where we understand that in the, in, the spirit, in the kingdom of darkness, we know their levels. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, it says that the weapons of our war are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, right? We talk, we talk about the kingdom of darkness, and we talk about how our warfare is against powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. So there are levels in the kingdom of darkness. There are, also a, there are also levels when it comes to angels, and I'm going to unpack that. That's why you've got, you've got archangels. You've got warring angels, and I'm going to show you that. But somehow we've got this thing when it comes to church life and the body of Christ, we then think like, I oh, know we're all brothers and sisters, there are no levels. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray like this, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven is always our blueprint. So we have to look to heaven and say, what is, what is it like in heaven? The fact of the matter is that when we are there for eternity, there are levels there. We're not all going to have the same crowns. Amen. Um, the size of our mansions aren't going to be the same in heaven. Amen. Maybe you think you are the spiritual, cool person, hired holy man from the north, 
But maybe it'll be that old granny that you walk past every single day who prays for people, who's faithful in what God has called her to do. Maybe she'll be the one in the mansion and you'll be there. I don't know. Maybe you'll be the doorkeeper or something. I don't know. But you'll be happy you're in heaven. But the point I'm just making is that there are levels in heaven. So sometimes we get into this thing of, yes, we acknowledge there are levels in heaven. Yes, we acknowledge there's rank when it comes to the kingdom of God in terms of the angels. Yes, we acknowledge we see the rank in terms of kingdom of darkness. But somehow we become very egalitarian when it comes to how we deal with things in the church. We become very much like, ah, everyone is the same. Ah, no, it doesn't matter. What? Apostle who, ah, it doesn't matter. Are you hearing me this morning? There's such a powerful message, and if you fully embrace it, it affects your destiny. And don't read into what I'm saying. Don't say Paul said what he didn't say. Amen? That's why I'm showing it to you in the word of God. So Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 15. Then Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. Be careful who you criticize. Because they could have criticized someone else, but the impact wouldn't have been like this. Be very careful who you criticize and what you say about specific people. Because when someone is highly esteemed by heaven, heaven takes it seriously, the words that you speak concerning the person. Are you hearing me this morning? So they criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman. Moses was one of those people where his deeds were really great, especially later on in his life. There isn't too much you can look at Moses and say, oh, he did this wrong, he did that wrong, especially later on in his life. So how I many of you know that if people can't find something, to something in you to criticize you about, they'll criticize the people you love, the people close to you. You know those pastors where it's like, no one ever says anything bad about him, but like that wife of his are his kids. They criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. So these guys were racist. Any racists out there listening to this message, be careful what and who you criticize. Are you hearing me this morning? They criticized him because of his black wife. They criticized him because of the Cushite woman he had married, for he had taken a Cushite wife. Does the Lord speak only through Moses? Can you see the egalitarianism kicking in? That sense of equality. Like, no, but no, not only through Moses, but us also. No, 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 no. There are no special people around here. We can also do what he can do. I'm sharing with you a mystery. Watch this. Does he not also speak through us? And you know what? What they were saying was true because God did speak through them also, but in a different way. And God had to bring about a distinction. It says, and the Lord heard this. He hears a lot of things. When you criticize people, when you mock this one, when you ridicule them, they might not hear it directly, but the Lord hears. And it says, now Moses was a very humble man. It's a very important statement. I find it interesting because Moses was the one who wrote the book of Numbers. And he is saying, now Moses was a very humble man. More so than any man on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, 
you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three went out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them had stepped forward, he said, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. Say to the person next to you their levels. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. This is so powerful because there are two attributes about Moses that are highlighted here. That he was a very humble man and that he was faithful in all the Lord's house. Those two things. You see, God can give you a measure of grace and a strong mantle and great spiritual authority because of his calling. But it can be augmented because of your faithfulness and because of your humility. If you want spiritual promotion, one of my books is on the technology of spiritual promotion. If you want spiritual promotion today, be faithful in all of the Lord's kingdom. Amen? And secondly, walk in humility. That's the reason God gives. He basically says, not so with Moses. In other words, I speak differently to Moses because he's faithful in all my house. If you want to go to greater dimensions of revelation, greater dimensions of seeing, greater dimensions of discerning, don't just rely on God's calling, but say to yourself, Lord, I want to be faithful with that which you have given me. And God promotes you to another level. Are you hearing me? Right? Then he says, I speak with him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. When they were, why then were you unafraid to speak against my servant Moses? There are certain people you must be afraid of speaking against. Are you hearing me? God doesn't say, hey, why did you guys do that? Why did you speak and criticize that person walking along the road? His issue was what they did to Moses. I'm going to show you this in scripture. Is everyone following? Why were you then not unafraid to criticize Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. As the, as the cloud lifted from above the tent, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. It's so interesting when you look at sickness and disease today because we often like to explain it in natural ways. But how many people are sick and diseased today maybe because of this? You see, we know this because the word says it. This is why she got leprosy. This is why this happened to her. But could it be that there's certain breakthrough people are not experiencing because they haven't honored what God has honored? Are you hearing me this morning? For some of you, this could save you your life. It could save you your life, this principle. If you, if you stay with me on this. Aaron turned toward her, saw that she was leprous and said to Moses, my Lord. <laughs> it's interesting. This is a guy who had been criticizing Moses. He sees what's happened to the sister. He's probably thinking to himself, am I next? And what does he say? His whole attitude changes with regards to his relationship with Moses and he's now my Lord. The guy who had been criticizing him because of the wife he married. Someone is getting this this morning. He says, my Lord, please do not hold against us this sin we have so foolishly committed. Why do people do things? Number one, ignorance. They're not well taught. Number two, foolishness. 
They've been taught, but they're foolish. All right? And then he goes on to say something so powerful. He asks Moses to intercede. Okay? Says, please do not let her be like a stillborn infant whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, please heal her. But the Lord answered Moses, if a father had but spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on until she was brought in again. This is what slows down the church. Because they were supposed to be moving on, but they were held back because of what Miriam and Aaron had done. Can you see that? Could it be that we are held back as a church? We're held back as a movement because people have dishonored the very things that God has honored. If the shoe fits, please just wear it, okay? Even if it's like a tight fit, just try, just squeeze your foot into it, okay? <laughs> so from this passage, we see that number one, there are levels in the kingdom. Number two, there are individual and corporate consequences to the spirit of familiarity. Individual consequences, look what happened to Miriam. Corporate consequences, they were held back for seven days. Amen? It's just a bottle of water, don't worry. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, it says, He said, Daniel, this is an angel who was speaking to Daniel. Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Do you remember Daniel had humbled himself before the Lord and he had been praying, seeking God's face, right? For those 21 days. And at a certain point, this is the angel that appeared to him and basically said, listen, dude, I was held back by the Prince of Persia. You all know that? Right, But I find it interesting that this angel said to Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. Did the angel say that to everyone? Do you remember when Jesus was speaking and he says, I don't seek honor that comes from man. I seek the honor that comes from my father. The best place to be in your life is when God honors you. The best place to be is when heaven applauds. You can be honored by man on earth, but heaven isn't applauding. You can be famous and this wonderful rock star and everyone sings your praises, but heaven isn't applauding you. Or you can be like Daniel, where this angel said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. You know that someone who's highly esteemed by heaven, heaven hears their prayers. When you're not highly esteemed by heaven, you don't have heavenly resources made available to you. I know a lot of people like to think like, ah, no, no, we're all the same. So we all have that same access. We have the access to the throne of God. We've got access to the throne of God. But if you study scripture, there's certain prayers that are heard in heaven and certain prayers that are not. How many of you know that Jesus, when he was about to be crucified, what happened? Peter came through and cut off the high priest's servant's ear. Do you remember that? And what did Jesus say? He healed that person, and then he said something very powerful. He says, do you not know that if I had wanted, I can just ask my father, so we don't talk to angels, we ask the father. I can ask my father, and he can just send down legions of angels. What is he talking about? Angels can wipe all these people out here. 
I can do that. That's what Jesus says. Now, let me tell you something. Not everyone, watch this, not everyone can just ask God for a whole legion of angels and immediately it happens. Do you know how I know? What happened to Daniel? What happened to Daniel? Daniel had to humble himself before the Lord and seek God's face and pray for 21 days. And then an angel came and said, you know what? I responded immediately. Is everyone listening? Please don't lose this. I responded immediately. That's what, that's what the angel said. But he says, I was basically detained by the prince of Persia for 21 days. Then he says, then Michael came to assist me. And he says, Michael is the only one who assists me. And he described Michael as the chief prince. In other words, it needed an archangel. It needed a higher order angel to come and assist a lower order angel to give Daniel the breakthrough. But Daniel's breakthrough didn't happen immediately. When Jesus spoke, he says, you know what? If I wanted to, wham, it will just happen just like that. What is that talking about? It's talking about spiritual authority. And when you study scripture, you start to see, and I'm going to do a series on this sometime as I get more revelation on it. You start to see how to activate angelic assistance. Are you hearing me? That's why you'll find some people will just walk into a town and their presence there, demons are fleeing. You get what I'm saying? The demons are afraid of that individual. There's the believer's authority where we, in the name of Jesus, each one of us who's a believer, we can cast out a demon. But there are times you're, you're dealing with higher level, especially when you're dealing with witchcraft. You're dealing with higher level spiritual wickedness in high places. You're dealing with principalities in regions. That's why there are times when God gives you an apostolic assignment into a region you find there's lots of favor and so on. Why? Because when he calls you and he commissions you, he activates angelic assistance to help you. But then you find you're now trying to go into another region and there's resistance. The Lord spoke to me about this. A few days ago, I, was re I got a rejection of a visa for a particular European country. And I was like, Lord, you know, why did this happen? What is going on here? And then the Lord spoke to me and he reminded me, some years ago, he gave me an inner audible voice that basically says, I'm opening doors of teaching for you and Tracy. You will plant a church and your primary sphere will be Africa. And I started to realize that when it came to the African countries, it was easy for me to go into them. And there was a lot of breakthrough. And then he started showing me that this country you want to go into, even though their reasons were wrong for rejecting you going in, it's because of the apostolic assignment that I'd given you into that nation. And you had to deal with the prince over that nation, principalities over that region. Because when you go, you're not just going on holiday. You are going there for, with an apostolic assignment. You're going there to transform the culture. So there are things you're going to have to do between now and the time you, when you reapply and the time when you then go there. There are things you're going to have to do because you're going to need more angelic assistance in order to do what you need to do in that different region. Are you hearing me? When people are called or they're commissioned, very often there's the presence of angels there. That's why when Paul talks to Timothy and he says, you know what, the gift of God came upon you during that time. And he says, in the, when you're commissioned and says, in the presence of angels. Different levels of calling have different levels of commissioning of angels to assist the calling. Amen? And angels can assist each other, just like the example I've just given you. How many of you know that when you are linked up and you're associated with someone who's got higher ranking, higher ranking angels working with them, 
and you've got your angels working with them. When you're in one in purpose, sometimes you can start finding their angels assisting your angels. Who you are under is important. Are you hearing me this morning? Who you're submitted to spiritually is important. And by the way, you can be in a church but disconnected at a heart level. Are you getting this this morning? All right. So we see some interesting things stated in scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, very powerful. A large house contains not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some indeed are for honorable use, but others for common use. So if anyone cleanses himself of what is unfit, he will be a vessel, excuse me, of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. Can you see that some of the promotion you can experience in your walk with the Lord is to do with the degree to which you set apart yourself, set yourself apart. It says here, how can you be used as a vessel of honor? It says, if anyone cleanses himself of what is unfit. We're called by God, but can also experience spiritual promotion based on the degree to which we set ourselves apart for his purpose. How many of you have experienced that in your lives? That when you began to, you began to set yourself apart, set your, you experienced spiritual promotion. So that's the first point I wanted to make, that there are levels in the kingdom. B, there is rank amongst angels in the kingdom of God. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes in the kingdom of God, right? He's actually one of the archangels. There's seven around the throne of God. There's Michael, there's Gabriel, there are five others, right? Came to help me for I'd been left there with the kings of Persia. So you can have an angel assisting you, but that angel needs to be powerful enough to deal with whatever rank of the kingdom of darkness we're talking about. Are you hearing me this morning? All right. So there are levels when it comes to angels in the kingdom of God. Highest level. There are three ranks. There's the cherubim. And there are actually three ranks of cherubim. There's seraphim, there's zoa, and there's ophanan. I'm going to go into that in more detail when I teach on this. Okay? Cherubim means one who grips, holds firm, and guards. Okay? You know those ones with the wings around the throne of God. Okay? That's one level. Number two, but they also guard right? Number two, you have archangels, for example, Michael and Gabriel. Number three, you have what are known as holy watchers, Irin Kudeshin, holy watchers. Number four, you have what they call angel priests, okay? The ones ministering at the altar of heaven. Number five, you have angelic hosts. When the Bible talks about Jehovah Sabaoth, you know, when the Bible talks about the Lord over the army of angels, when Jesus spoke about the army of angels that could assist, those visions people would have, you'll find that these angels, often they can look like men, they can look like chariots and horses, the armies of heaven, and very often they're countless. That's another level of angels. Are you following this morning? All right? See, there's rank in the church. Many people, your millennials nowadays, kind of just think, I know we're all the same. I know rank, rank, what rank? You know, my opinion is just as important as your opinion. Huh, interesting stuff, Paul. Great talk, great message. Please don't do that. 
A disciple is one who sits under teaching, not one who sits over teaching. Are you hearing me? God has called us to make disciples. A disciple is someone who submits themselves under the word of God. So when, when I walk out and someone says, great message, you're not, you're not my mentor. Are you hearing me? The, the proper thing to actually say is, that message spoke to me. I appreciate it. Thanks for allowing God to use you. I learned something. That's someone who's sitting under. Are you hearing me? It's a, it's a mindset. There was a guy in a previous church of ours. He would come to me after the service. He was an editor. He used to edit, I think, magazines and things like that. And he brought that same mindset into church. And he would say, no, I think for all of your messages, I would give you eight out of ten. I think I'll actually, this was a guy in the congregation. I'm thinking to myself, don't, don't assess me like you assess magazines and newspapers and things like that. Unless God has called you to that and I've invited you to do that. Are you hearing me? All right? A disciple sits under teaching, not over, not alongside. And let's be humble about these things, right? Now, what is interesting is the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 to 29, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a member of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all, say to the person next to you, first of all, First of all, apostles. Churches that are built on a biblical pattern must have an apostolic foundation. God sends out apostles first, and there's that foundation. If there isn't an apostolic foundation, if a church is built on a pastoral foundation, that's a weak foundation. Are you hearing me this morning? The word used there for first is the word proton. And the word there is not just talking about first in time. Okay, when it talks about first in time, it means the apostle goes through and lays the foundation with a breakthrough anointing, right? And that's how you establish strong churches that are balanced doctrinally, right? Um, it's first in time, but it's also first in order, and it's also first in rank. Are you hearing me this morning? It's not pastors over apostles. It's the other way around. And so we see here, it says, appointed first of all apostles, second prophets. That's why strong churches must have a strong apostolic and prophetic foundation. And then we need the pastoral because that closes the back door. If you have strong apostolic and prophetic foundation, you can have wonderful prophecy, wonderful word, wonderful miracles. Heaven comes down, but the people leave the church just as fast as they're going. Are you hearing me? And that's why in this church it's important that we're raising up strong pastors. People like your pastor Taffy's being raised up. That closes the back door of the church. Do you understand what I mean by closing the back door? People leaving. Because they feel like we're not cared for. We're not like, oh, it's, there isn't a nice community. We want to be in a community where we're all friends and we have tea with each other and so on. He appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, and those who've got gifts of healing, right? Gifts of helps, administration, and various tongues. Are all apostles? You can actually answer. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? But now we've got the body of Christ today. Everyone is like, I know Yami, it's not just her who's got the thing. 
No, I, I can also prophesy. Yes, you can prophesy, but you need to make sure that it's also activated by a prophet. Why? Because that will augment the gift in you and you'll go to a higher level in the gift. Amen? And then you won't go into deception with your gift and you'll understand your gift and how it works. Is everyone following this morning? Okay. It's, it's amazing. If you look at kingdom technology, you'll see that there has to be order in the home, right? That's why the Bible says the husband is the head of his wife as he's submitted under Christ. So there's order in the home, but somehow when it comes to church, we, t- we treat church like it's just some random organization. Doesn't matter. We just do our thing. You do your thing. I do my thing. Doesn't work that way. The Lord was speaking to me recently and I was saying, but Lord, why do I have to pray about this and this and this? They're intercessors praying about that. And then he rebuked me. And he showed me, he says, you're the gate to this church. There are things that I want to happen, but you need to pray it. And then you need to make sure those who are intercessors are aligned with what you are praying. Because there's no point in intercessors praying one direction and then senior pastor praying another direction because then there's division. And the Lord says, I honor, I honor authority. He says, I honor authority. So sometimes an intercessor can be praying something for the church and the Lord Jesus is waiting and he's saying, what does the person, what does the set man over the church think about this? Are you hearing me? It becomes so much more powerful when there's a strong connection between intercessors and apostles because what happens is the intercessors speak to the apostles and the prophets and they say, what's on your heart? Where are we going? Where are we moving? And we say, this is where we're going. And we're all praying in agreement. That's why Jesus respects authority. I'm going to show you just now. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. All right? So the Bible here highlights it in Revelation 2. Verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, Ephesus, write the following. Do you remember in Revelation 2 when Jesus is basically speaking to John and he's giving him instructions concerning the different churches, right? Why is it that he didn't just say, hey, go and tell the guys of the church in Ephesus? What did he say? To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the following. The word angel there is speaking basically of the chief elder of that particular church. You guys have heard, you understand that, right? Talking about the chief elder of that particular church. Give this instruction. Why does he say that? Because he works through authority. He works through authority. E, and let me just say something. All of this keeps you humble. It keeps you humble. When when we understand how we are interdependent in the body of Christ. There are many young people today, they'll have a thriving youth group. And there's so many people, many numbers, things are just happening. And they assume it's only because of their individual gifting and individual grace. And then they start a church and they see that they can hardly get a few people there. I don't know if you've seen that happening historically. I'm not saying it will always happen, guys. We want to send out people to establish great churches. But it happens. And it happens because of pride. Because very often we underestimate the power of the corporate anointing. And the power of impartation. Many times you'll find a lot of people begin to prophesy because they're working under a prophet and working together with a prophet and partnering with that particular prophet. But then they begin to think this gift and this grace is just because of me. And then they swell up with pride. They detach themselves from that particular individual. And what happens? You see the gift beginning to dry up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are many people who've come to this church, and I remember my wife as a prophet will say to me, wow, it's amazing how God has given us so many prophetic people. And I say to her, but a lot of them only started prophesying after they linked up with you. 
Because God used you to activate that gift of prophecy in them. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Then all of a sudden she's finding, all these people are having dreams around me. Let me help them to interpret these dreams. And I'm like, they weren't having dreams like this before they hooked up with you. It's the prophet's mantle on your life. And let me just say something. When you are married to someone who carries a certain ministry gift, you have to know, okay, I'm talking to her now as my wife. I'm talking to her now as the mother of my kids, but I'm talking to her now as a prophet. And I need to honor that so that I can experience the reward of a prophet. Are you hearing me? We need to recognize ministry gifts, especially in our own hometown, in our own church, in our own families. It's easy to respect and to honor the hired holy man from the north, isn't it? Okay. E, your ministry can be greatly augmented, in other words, enlarged, through impartation. I want to show you this in the word of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 6. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Very often when someone dies, a strong minister of the gospel, you'll see that the mantle that was on their life passes on to other people. Not necessarily in exactly the same way, but you'll see a measure of it. And it tends to happen to those people who honored the gift that was on that person. Are you hearing me this morning? There's a very old apostle. Um, I don't want to give clues about which country he's from. But I remember the Lord giving me a dream, a very powerful dream that I'll never forget. And he had a, a staff, you know, those rods or staff, you know, one of those things that shepherds use. And I remember in the dream, he handed it to me. And sometimes when I see certain things happening in my life, you know, the guy wrote many books. I'm also writing many books, right? The guy planted many churches. And when I see the grace on his life, I'm seeing the same things happening in my own life. That that's a clue in terms of, you know what, God's saying, there's something strong there and there's something of that that I want to give you. Now, it, it would be a wise thing for me to then study that person's ministry. Are you hearing me this morning? There was a time in my life where a certain apostle prayed for, for about four of us. And the climate of the room literally changed. Things started to happen. And a guy who was visiting at the time from the state said, guys, what is happening here doesn't just happen to anyone. There's an apostolic impartation taking place right now. And it's interesting because this person who had imparted this to us was very close to a particular apostle who passed away some years ago, about 20 years ago or so. It was very close. And I found myself afterwards starting to dream about that particular apostle. And when I looked at that apostle's life in terms of deliverance, in terms of church plants, in terms of going into different regions, I was like, okay, Lord, is there a measure of that that's coming into my life? There's some things you only get that are activated by impartation. Is everyone following? You can be proud and just think, I've got all I need in Christ. I don't need anyone. That's pride speaking. You will still be used by God, but you'll be limited in what God wants to do in your life. Amen? I find it interesting because it goes on to say, your territory will be extended from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, 
all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you. That's one of the things when God commissions you. No one will be able to stand against you. Remember Stephen. Although Stephen was persecuted and was the first martyr, the Bible says that they could not resist his wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. How many of you know that you don't just speak with wisdom, you also speak with the spirit? Amen? That's what the Bible talks in Isaiah chapter 11, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. A lot of those things are communicated verbally, but it's not just words, it's a spirit. And they won't be able to resist you. Some people who are foolish, who don't understand these principles, they're business people today who go into different African countries and they keep coming back saying, we were battered and bruised by the enemy. Oh, we couldn't do any business there. Oh, we went to such and such a country and they just conned us off all our money. When I would train business people, I would say, you know what? There's an apostolic grace on my life for the continent. Partner with me in it. Not business partnering, spiritual partnering. Come, tell me what you are doing. Let's pray. There are angels that are there ready to be unleashed. Let's walk together in this. And you'll go to that nation and you'll see your breakthrough. Amen. I've been to Nigeria. I've been to Zim. I've been to Mozambique, Swaziland, all these countries. Kenya, grace of God operating there. DR Congo, grace of God operating there. Amen. He says, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. I swore to their ancestors to give them. The passage above that I've just read shows us that often there's an increase in spiritual authority when someone is commissioned into spiritual leadership. That's the principle. With your commissioning comes enablement. With your commissioning comes enablement. So there are certain people that God has commissioned. And God has given them divine enablement. And we need to honor that. Amen. Don't just do business in other African countries without being commissioned to do so. Because you're dealing with different spirits when you go to some of these places. And I'm not just talking about African countries. I'm obviously talking about everywhere in the world, right? That's why you find you have breakthrough in one region. Another region, things aren't working out. Why? It's these principles. In Numbers 27, verse 18 to 20, it's talking about the same situation. It says, and the Lord replied to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun." A man with the spirit in him. So we're not saying people don't already have the spirit of God. In fact, Joshua was at another level because he's an Old Testament person, but it says the spirit of God is in him. So God had already anointed him. But guess what? God still instructed Moses and says, and lay your hands on him. So some of you who are proud people, independent people, guarded people, your mindset is, but I've got everything I need. But God still sometimes instructs us and says, lay your hands upon her. Lay your hands upon him. Why? To augment that which God wants to do. Watch this. Watch this. 
So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. In other words, the same way that people listened to Moses, they were now listening to Joshua. Hands had been laid on him. Is everyone following? Laying on of hands was still needed, although the Spirit of God was already on Joshua. Spiritual authority is to do with spiritual jurisdiction. God gives you a spiritual jurisdiction. The Greek word is metron. That's used. Paul, Paul the apostle uses that particular word where he says, in this region, I'm giving you authority. Go for it. I've given you angels that will deal with whatever the principalities are in this region. And you experience favor there. Let's have a look at Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Elisha also picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah. The cloak fell. Some translations call it a mantle. It fell, but Elisha had to pick it up. Is there a mantle that has fallen that is available for you, but you haven't yet picked it up? Because we can pray for you. We can lay hands on you until you go bold. Okay, some of you are already there. Until your head gets very shiny. We can do that. But you have to pick up the mantle. I can't pick it up for you. And it's interesting here because it says, Elisha also picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the waters. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he had struck the waters, they parted to the right and to the left, and Elisha crossed over. I want you to see here that impartation is an active process. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you this in the New Testament. Very powerful. It's an active process. Someone can pray for you, but you have to actively receive it and actively activate it. That's why Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that came upon you when the elders laid hands on you through the word of prophecy. Who's doing the stirring up? You are. It's an active process. I'm going to show you again in other scriptures. Okay? Elisha picked up the mantle. Are there mantles that God has shown you? My wife had a dream the other day. I'm not going to share the dream with you. And she was asking me, what does this mean? What does this mean? Right? What does this mean? What is this speaking of? And I said to her, you know what? That person was greatly used by God. There was a mantle on that person. And you dreaming about them in this particular context, there's an active process you must engage in to actually activate it in your life. Amen? And I said to her, I believe that that mantle is for you a measure of that, that thing that that person walked in, partly because you honored this individual, because she would rave about this particular individual. Now she had the dream about the person. Are you following this morning? That's how God builds up his body. That's how God builds up his body. It's like I use this person in such a powerful way. Boom. Now this person is gone. Okay, who, who else is ready for this? Who else is ready for this? Some are ready, some are not. It's an active process. Watch this. Watch this. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, I'm going to read from verse 21 to 25. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers 
and they also prophesied. So Saul sent messages again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came as far as the large well that is in Seku. And he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, behold, they are at Naoth in Ramah. He proceeded there to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. This is Saul, and Saul was quite a dodgy guy, right? But it says here, and the Spirit of God came upon him also, so that he went along prophesying continually until he came to Naoth in Ramah. He also stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel. And lay down naked all that day and all that night. Okay, the two things aren't necessarily linked, okay? Prophesying and nakedness, okay? So you don't have to apply the nakedness bit, okay? Like I said, uh, Saul was an interesting character. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Why did Saul start prophesying? Because he was among the prophets. Amen? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. How did the gift of God come to, to Timothy? There was impartation, ladies and gentlemen. Again, there are certain things that can happen to us remote control, depending on the call of God on your life. There are other things that happen because of the laying on of hands. The ease of impartation, the type of impartation we're talking about, the conduit is often influenced by the heart attitude and the honor that you give the source. The source is primarily God, but God works through people. Amen? And by the way, he doesn't have to. There are times he can just touch you. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was my last year of high school. I was at boarding school and I was in my study. I was in my room. And I was worshipping, listening to worship music, and I was just worshipping. And then my tongue just began to go. go, go, go. That's, that's how I got baptized in the Spirit. But the norm is, lay on of hands, laying on of hands, and the thing is activated. Amen. F. In heaven, we will not be rewarded the same. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. What's your labor right now? You'll be rewarded based on your labor. Amen. Okay? I like Revelation 22, verse 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So I know some of you like being fair and you always give your kids. Everyone has to have the same thing. I know my wife is big on that. You know, even when it comes to feeding the dogs, she'll say to me, my love, just make sure just one bone each or two each. They're four bones. Let me just count. Let me just do it. Let me just do it. Let me just do it. Okay. <laughs> She's big on fairness that way. But you know what? what? In heaven, when we're rewarded, it'll be each according to his own work. What's your work right now? Are you living with that mindset of eternity? Is your life driven by eternity? Just think about that. You know that we experience rewards not just in heaven, but also on earth. 
also on earth. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 30, Bible says, Jesus answered them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come. That's eternal life. The rewards that we receive because of the sacrifices that we have made now. And those rewards are not just one day in heaven. Those rewards are also now. Are you catching this? Are you catching this? What are you willing to give up for the gospel? And by the way, where it says leaving wives, it's not talking, talking about, okay, cheers, you just stay here and for five years I'm going now for the gospel. Okay? There are many times when I would rather be sitting at home watching, having movie night with my family, but I can't for the sake of the gospel. There are many times where I would rather be having a lie-in on a Saturday morning, but I've got a commitment in terms of how much time I need to be spending in prayer. Is it always comfortable? No, it's not. Are you hearing me? So the sacrifices we make for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the body of Christ, for the sake of the kingdom, there's a hundredfold reward now in this particular time. Are you following? You'll see how this ties up. G, the church will be built up to the degree to which it receives ministry gifts. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, the body of Christ will not be built up unless we receive these ministry gifts. The body of Christ corporately will not be built up and you as an individual will not be built up because who's the body of Christ? It's us. It's us as individuals and it's us corporately. So if I want to be built up in, in the apostolic dimension, I need to receive apostles. If you want to be built up in being able to hear from God yourself, right, and you want to grow in that, you need to receive and welcome prophets in your midst. If you want to go to another level of studying the word, reading the word, interpreting the word, teaching the word, it's to the degree to which you receive the gift of teacher and you submit to that. Are you following this morning? You see, when the Bible talks about these ministry gifts being there for the equipping of the saints, part of equipping is impartation and activation. Kingdom equipping is not just instruction. Kingdom equipping is activation and impartation, a spiritual dimension. Amen? And if we don't welcome these gifts and honor these gifts and receive these gifts, then we will be stunted in our growth. That's how we are built up. H, the reward we receive on earth is partly based on how we receive God's ministry gifts. Matthew 10, verse 41 to 42 says, whoever receives a prophet, this is so powerful, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. What's a prophet's reward? That word reward there is the same word recompense. It's also the same word wages. What's a prophet's reward? 
In other words, what does God give back to a prophet because of all the hardships and sacrifices they've faced? What is that? What is it? With Moses, I don't just speak to him. I I appear to him. He sees my form. Amen? One of the benefits of being a prophet is that you hear God. One of the rewards of being a prophet is hearing God's voice and seeing things in the spirit. When you receive a prophet as a prophet, you can also partake as a beneficiary of that grace. Are you following? That's why very often when someone submits themselves under ministry gift and partners with that and honors that, and I'm going to show you how to honor ministry gift, you see a measure of that grace functioning in their lives. One of the things that comes with, the, uh, with an apostle is a breakthrough anointing. Sometimes I'll go, people will say, oh, we're struggling in our business. Oh, we're here. We're trying to go into this new region and so on. I'll pray for them. I'll prophesy over them. And what happens? There's a measure, especially if they honor what I carry. There's a measure of that apostolic breakthrough anointing that they begin to walk in. They're experiencing an apostle's reward because they've, they've submitted themselves under that mantle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? By the way, I also believe when it talks about the prophet's reward, it's also talking about the prophet's reward, as in reward from heaven one day. And those who are now partnering with that person and working actively with that person, there's a measure of that reward they can also receive. This is so powerful, this, this passage. Whoever receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. So if you receive a prophet as a pastor, you receive a pastor's reward. The reward you receive is based on how you receive someone. And by the way, those are two different words. He who receives a prophet, that's one word, receive, will receive a prophet's reward. That's another one. The first word, receive, is talking about welcoming with an open heart. The second word, receive, The prophet's reward, it's an active process. Remember I told you that when you activate the gift, it's active? It actually means we'll take hold of the wages of a prophet. It's a different word. It's active. Now watch this. Watch this. And if anyone gives, and and whoever receives a righteous man, because he's a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. Very powerful. So receiving a prophet because he's a prophet, that's to receive with ready reception, welcoming what is offered. In a prophet's name, what is that name talking about? Prophet's authority and a prophet's cause. A prophet's authority and a prophet's cause. And then the second word receive is the word lambano, which means to take or lay hold of, to actively take. It's an assertive word. I, when we partner together in ministry, we are partakers of each other's grace. When you partner in ministry with someone, you are partaker of the grace on their lives. And that word partake means to be a joint sharer, right? 
And when we talk about grace in this instance, we're talking about blessing, favor, and kindness. Have you ever experienced being a partaker of the favor on someone's life? Have you ever had a friend who's got free tickets to go to a particular concert or a particular football game? Well done, Bafana, Bafana, by the way. All right. Have you noticed something? They'll say to you, come in my vehicle and you can enter through these special gates and no one will ask you any questions. And when you're in their vehicle, what happens? You get free entrance, don't you? You have free access to the special lounges, don't you? But it's only because you're with them. If you say, oh, no, 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 don't worry. Just go by yourself. I'll follow later. I'll go with my own vehicle. You'll have problems. Amen? There's breakthrough that we have because of who we are in Christ. And there's additional breakthrough we have because of who we are partakers or joint sharers with. When you have that revelation, you think twice before you just move around. You get what I'm saying? You know, you know the kind of person who just say, yeah, no, no, I go to that other church. It's fine. We're all part of God's kingdom. Yeah, no, it's fine. Because after five years, you become what you are under. And then all of a sudden, you're like, what's going on in my life? What's going on in my marriage? And then you see what's happening in that person's life who you've submitted to and in their marriage. In, Philipp in Philippians 1 verse 7, it says, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. I like it in the King James. He says, Ye all are partakers of my grace. One of the ways we stay connected in partaking of the grace of these leaders' lives is by showing them honor. You get what you appreciate, you get what you honor. I want to land these, this message in the last few minutes that I have by giving you practical ways. Would you like that? Practical ways to show honor. Do you, do you have that understanding that there are levels? Are we in agreement that there are levels? Are we in agreement that there's a way in which you can experience a measure of the grace on someone's life, the favor on someone's life? There's a way in which you can experience impartation of that. Amen? Do you want that in your life? All right. So I want to show you very practically from the word of God how to, how to do this. Number one, we show honor to church elders by giving generously to them financially. We show honor to church elders by giving generously to them financially. 1 Timothy chapter 5, I can see the people who struggle with the spirit of mammon in their lives, they're already squirming and squeaking and so on, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 18 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. It doesn't say especially whose work is miracles. Hello? Because nowadays people treat men of God like sangomas. You know what I'm talking about. The bigger the breakthrough they want, the bigger the financial gift they give the person. And it's usually not around teachings. It's usually around whatever miracle they want. Can you see the extreme? Can you see the distortion? Biblically, 
we're just preaching Bible, New Testament. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. The heart of the people who benefit from that should be looking for ways of how can I bless this person? What can I do to this particular individual? Amen. Galatians chapter 6 verse 6 says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Elsewhere, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, it says, those who preach the gospel, in fact, it actually says, as Jesus commanded, those who preach the gospel must live by the gospel. You know what? When we've got pastors in our midst, I don't take an income yet. Hopefully one day I will, right? But let me tell you something. I would like to see a church that has got a lot more pastors than we currently have. And I would like to see those churches, I mean, those pastors, well looked after financially, not running around doing all sorts of other things, amen, but being able to do the work of the ministry. When we do that and we honor that, everyone else is blessed in the process, amen? We need to do that. The day and age of pastors struggling to send their kids to school, pastors ended up quitting ministry. You know what I'm talking about. Who's feeling me on this? It's wrong. It's wrong. Some of the most anointed men of God, women of God out there are now working, selling insurance, struggling. But their primary thing was actually birthing churches, doing amazing things. Are you hearing me? I know some of you are catching what I'm saying, right? And by the way, I've seen this work in this church. And I don't often talk about it because it can appear to be self-serving, right? I've seen it work in the church. There's certain individuals. There's one particular lady. She's... she's um, I won't mention the name, but it's interesting what happened with her. She honored me in a particular way, right? I knew I needed to be obedient because my natural thing is, ah, no, 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 don't worry. I knew I needed to be obedient. There was an honor that she had toward me. I'm not exaggerating. Within weeks, she got a multiple promotion at work. She got, she got to another level leading a team and so on. She's since moved from that organization, now in another high pay, uh, higher paying job. There's an area of profession that she now wants to go into that she shared with me and there's stuff she's now been doing on social media. And I said to her, I'm blown away by that skill you have until I realized as I was praying into this, that that's the same skill I have. And then I realized that the Lord spoke to me and said, there was a measure of impartation and grace that's on your life that went on to her when she honored you. Are you hearing me this morning? Some of you are catching this. So that's the first way. The second way, we show honor to church elders by not easily entertaining accusations against them. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. In other words, if you just hear one sto negative story about that person, that ministry gift, that elder over you, if you just hear one, don't buy it. When you have two or three witnesses, then maybe you should take it up and say, listen, look, this is what I heard. Is this true? Amen. 
I remember some years ago, someone made up a story about me, someone who had lying issues with lying. And, I, and, and he was say, telling people, yeah, Pastor Paul said this and this and this to this person. He met us at the mall and he said this and this. I wasn't even at the mall. Right? <laughs> okay. Uh, some of you know the story. People who, who are there way back. Right? But uh, I remember some people coming to me and saying, when we heard that story, we knew it wasn't true because we know you would never speak to someone like that. Amen? That's the culture of honor we want to have. Don't just believe anything you hear. Number three, we show honor to our leaders by obeying their instructions. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account for all of you, right? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. How many of you know you can pastor a church with groaning? For that would be of no advantage to you. You know the principle we get from Hebrews 13? Number one, make it easy for your leaders to lead you. You know how you make it easy? If we say, guys, please, you have to register for the men's event. Don't just pitch up. You need to register. You have to register for the women's event. We're providing food. Make it easy for us. So that we don't just have 40 people pitch up. Then you've got queue. Like, oh, we've run out of food. We've run out of food. We thought we were only having 20. I'm trying to make it very practical. Amen? Okay? So make it easy for them to lead you. Another thing you can do is take their words seriously. Let their words, whatever we preach, take it seriously. One of the things that amazes me is I sometimes feel most honored in our churches by the, by the people who are most senior. The other day, uh, Pastor Taffy came to me and he says, oh, there was this one message you preached. It was so powerful. I've already listened to it three times. Now, Pastor Taffy works for a mission, missions organization. Pastor Taffy has got lots of word in him. He's a great communicator himself, but he listened to a message of mine three times. It means he weighs heavily. He understands who is under and he weighs heavily. It's the same with Pastor Michael. Same with Pastor Vim. Some of the Pastor Vim is... One of my wife's closest friends, probably a best friend. Are you hearing me? We were peers at university, leaders together in ministry at university together. But she's, if, if, if I was to chat to my wife right now and say, who do you feel most honored by in this ministry? One of the people would be Pastor Vim. Are you following? I'm very close to Pastor Michael Manuni, pastor, uh, 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 the church in Pretoria East. One of the people I feel most honored by in this ministry is Pastor Michael. Are you following me? Please, if I didn't mention your name, don't feel bad. I'm honoring the pastors in our church right now. Okay? Why? Why? Why is that? What's an example of that? It, take their words seriously. Put into practice what they teach you. When someone listens to a message that you've done three times, it means they're very serious about wanting to put into practice what you've taught. Amen? Respect and appreciate their watchman role. It says, do this because they watch over your souls. Honor the fact that behind the scene, and they won't announce it to you, but sometimes when we're in prayer, we see your faces coming before us. There are times when I'll pray for people, and I don't even know their name. I'll be sitting there, oh Lord, yeah, that girl who I prayed for at Ignite, yeah, who was sitting somewhere there, yourself and so on, I was praying for you the other day. Yes, Lord, please do this. And then the other girl, the other one who was there, yeah, we prayed for you in Ignite. Yes, I don't know the names. I've forgotten the names. 
Are you hearing me? There's an honor you give someone when you know that they're a watchman over your soul. Amen? And that's what the Bible here says. And also defer to them. Defer to them. Number four, we show honor to our leaders by imitating their faith. In Hebrews 13 verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. In one church we used to pastor, the, the, the one wife, someone's wife, was all excited and went to her husband and says, the Yamudas are doing this, so we should also do it. And the feedback we got, the husband was saying, the Yamudas do what they do there. Those are, that's what the Yamudas do. We are the, and they mentioned the surname. I don't want to give away who the people were, so I won't mention their surname, right? We are the, fill in the blank, the Smiths or the Jones, Right? Uh, or the Zoomers, or the Guptas, okay? <laughs> this is who we are, and we do things our way. That's what they said. But the Bible, throughout the, the word of God, Paul will be saying, did you see my way of life? Did you see, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Let me say to you something. If you're struggling in terms of how do I discipline my kids, find out what our view of discipline is. There are many books out there, but find out if you're submitted in this church, what's our stance? What's our belief about certain things? Amen? Because we've got those beliefs. And then you augment it with other things. I've run out of time. I'm going to just um, finish off these practical things. Number five, we honor our leaders by attending their meetings. Ladies and gentlemen, there's certain impartation where you have to be present to win. When we say come to ignite, if you honor what we carry, you will come. Amen? You come to these things because you know that there's certain impartations that happen not by remote control. You have to be present to win. Please, I'm not trying to lay guilt on anyone here. I'm just saying the principle, right? In Romans 1 verse 11 to 12, it says, For I long to see you, this is Paul speaking, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that you may be mutually encouraged. We may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Okay? In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which came through the laying on of hands. That doesn't happen. Remote control. It's amazing how so many people are desperate to go to their favorite artist's concert. They pre-book, pre-buy tickets. I want to be there. Ed Sheeran, whoever it is, we were there. When you call a church meeting, there isn't that same honor. Number six, we honor our leaders by seeking their opinion and reflecting on their teachings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For this reason I've sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He'll remind you of other people's way of life? No, he'll remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. What do we teach everywhere? in every church. Be curious about our stance. Some people have said to me, no, we didn't ask you because we thought you were busy, so we just read that book. Now you're doing what that book says, we're going in a different direction. Okay? Seven, we honor our leaders by passing on their teaching. If we value what's in this church, it should be all over social media. We should be sharing it if we truly value it. Right? 
2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Pass it on. Number eight, we honor our leaders by not leaving them prematurely. You'll see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 14 to 16, Paul would complain saying, everyone has deserted me. Before you move on, press pause and say, Lord, is this a spiritual decision that I'm making? And don't stay too long in limbo. Some people leave the church and then they're in limbo. Make sure you hook up with people who've got the mantle that you need in your life to activate what needs to be activated. Don't stay in limbo land. Amen? Say to the person next to you, never stay in limbo land. <laughs> okay? You know, it's easy to desert a leader for various reasons. You can desert a leader because you're bored. You can desert a leader because you're just following others. You're just following your friends. You can desert a leader because you're getting offended. You can desert a leader because you see a weakness in them. You can become envious of others who've become closer to that leader who you used to be close to. You can desert a leader because you feel the relationship has changed. It's not quite what it was before. You can desert a leader because you became proud. You can desert a leader because you forgot about the impartation that you received. Amen? Don't desert prematurely. Number nine, we honor our leaders by reciprocating affection. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 to 9, Paul says, On the contrary, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother caring for her children. We cared so deeply that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. Guys, we are way past that whole thing of the show must go on. There's not an organization. It's an organism. We care deeply about you. Amen? But reciprocate. Some of you have been wounded in churches, so you're very guarded. And when you block, you, when you guard your heart and you harden your heart, guess what happens? You block the flow of the impartation. You block it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 to 13, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, mutuality, reciprocity. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. Say to the person next to you, open wide your hearts. Oh, heart, singular, I guess, if you're speaking to one person. And then finally, number 10, we honor our leaders by trusting their decision making. In Acts chapter 4, verse 34 to 35, the Bible says there were no needy ones among them because those who owned lands or houses would sell their property. You get quite a bit if you sell your property, right? Especially if it's all paid, for, paid up. And it says they would bring the proceeds from the sales and where would they lay them? And lay them at the apostles, plural, feet for distribution to anyone as he had need. Do you know what this shows me? They trusted them in decision-making. As you grow financially, as you start many businesses, don't be the business person who says, look, this is how much I've tithed. 
Now let me start instructing the pastors now. This is what you must do with it. You must use it for this, use it for this. You, no, you head up your company. You don't head up the church. Amen? If you want that blessing to flow in your life, honor the mantles that God has placed in your midst. And I promise you something will be activated because if you receive that gift as it is, you'll receive the reward that goes with it. Can I hear an amen? Has this been a great series for you? Let's pray. Maybe you are here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I haven't really understood the principles of biblical honor in the way that you've taught them. But I want God's grace to function in my life so that I tap into what you have taught today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just stand where you are. Stand up where you are. I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray for us as a people. Maybe you've been hurt in the past by church leaders and you haven't understood these things. And you know there's something you cut off from. There's something missing. I want to give you this opportunity this morning. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for the ministry gifts you've placed in my life. I don't want to be robbed of them by my own ignorance or my own foolishness. I open my heart. You know the hurts that I've experienced in my life. But I thank you today that you've still placed people over me. I submit myself under them. I choose to be a partaker of their grace. I choose to be active. I choose God to be active in how I activate these gifts. Let your will be done in my life. Give me the boldness and the courage that I need to connect with these gifts. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen.